Hello and welcome to the Hairdresser Strong Show. I'm your host, Robert, and this is my guest, Anastasia. She's from Columbia, Missouri, and the winner of our Building a Hairdresser-Centric Future Survey uh, giveaway. Uh, Anastasia, will you introduce yourself, please? I am Anastasia. I have been in the industry going on seven years, and I recently just opened my own studio salon. It is called Sunshine Hair Design, and... I absolutely fell in love with what I do. I am not your typical hairstylist. Um, I never dreamed that doing hair would be something that I love doing. That is not, like, I've been in the industry for seven years and I'm 37. Um, oh, so right. I started at later in, later on in my life. Um, it, doing hair as a little girl was not my dream. So... Oh you know, I'm not, I'm not your typical hairstylist at all. And I'm not your typical owner either. Cause I do not have a full book. All right. Well, what were you doing uh, before hair? How'd you, how'd you uh, find your way into the industry? Um, before doing hair, I had taken a couple years off of work. And then before that I was a certified med tech. So okay. I was basically working in nursing homes, um, working with elderly people. Okay, cool. And how'd you uh, find yourself um, learning how to do hair and becoming a hairdresser? Um, I had had a really bad experience at an upscale salon in my town. And from that day forward, I was determined, you know, I, I had the typical story, you know, before that I had been doing box color on my own hair and wanted the experience of a salon and it had gone wrong. And my hair had gotten ruined. And from that day forward, I really wanted to determine, try, just try to figure out what went wrong. So I went to hair school and during my interview at hair school, the guy told me, you're going to fall in love with doing hair. And I told him I wasn't there to figure out how to love hair. I just really wanted to learn how to do my own hair correctly. Oh, interesting. That is, uh, I, I feel like that's one of the first ones that I've heard. That's a cool story. Awesome. Um, okay. So, so, uh, so you went to hair school you said, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, did you work in a, did you find a salon to work in while you were in school or did you wait until you graduated? How, tell us about how you got your first salon job before you moved out on your own. Um, my first salon job, um, honestly, my first salon job was at a corporation. Um, it was, a salon. It was a corporation salon here in Columbia, um, where I got paid by the hour and I worked there for three years. Um, I got pregnant with my daughter and I ended up taking four weeks off for maternity leave, came back when she was four weeks old okay. and I had been working open to close and just really missing out on the time with my kids. Like I had to leave in the morning and I wasn't home when they were going to bed. So I had finally figured out that, you know, I was making money for somebody else on the craft that I knew how to do. Gotcha. There just had to be something better. Okay, cool. Um, did they, did they give you, um, any sort of training after you, uh, like at your salon when you first started or anything like that? Um, they had like incentives, they would have little trainings, and at first, when I got out of school, like that was the place to work okay. because they had vacation and they had, you know, 401k and insurance, which is things that hairstylists don't get. 
Yeah. And it's usually stuff that we have to pay for out of pocket. So that was the place, the place to work. Um, but over the few course of a few years, it just wasn't any longer. Okay. And um, did you, were you able to go right onto the floor? Uh, did you have to assist after school? So with the corporate corporation salon, I was able to go right to the floor. Okay. And um, what type of, how often did they have any sort of training or were you seeking your own training? Um, at first yeah. they had trainings about every four months and then it quickly died off. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Um, and you said you worked there for three years um, before you decided to go out on your own? No, after that three years, I had went to a upscale salon and I was a commission stylist for a year. And then I decided to become a booth rental stylist. Okay. And then um, this past June 1st, I decided to go out on my own. Okay. Um, so, so you went from a corporate salon where you started off uh, working behind the chair, getting paid hourly. You, uh, did you, were you, did you build up a clientele that you were able to bring to the next salon or, or no? I built up quite a clientele and I was under the pretense that my clients would follow me. Yeah. Um, a few did about a handful. Okay. Um, but they were that place's clients basically because it was, it was a cheap salon. It really okay. was, it was a walk-in salon. Um, okay. And I had moved to a, a, a bigger salon after that. And when people are getting, or when people are used to paying $15 for a haircut and now I'm going to a commissioned salon, haircuts are much more expensive. Okay. So that's uh, that's a really good um, point um, I'd like to bring up and focus on for a second is um, when I go into talk to stylists that are coming out on their own or looking to uh, make some changes, uh, we talk a lot about identifying the demographic. Like if someone can charge 15, if someone can pay $15 a haircut, are they going to pay $30 a haircut or $50 a haircut? And it sounds like what you're saying is it was a pretty small percentage that would were able to move. Was the distance large between the locations that you moved? No, it was 10 miles. Okay. All right. And, um, okay. So, so you, you build up a book and then uh, when you move the, the, the price point sounded like the price point was the biggest, uh, um, barrier for or hurdle for your guests to get over. So you were only able to maintain a small percentage of those clients. And then you spent, you were there for a year, um, continuing to build, before you went out and became a booth rental. Did you booth rent at the same salon or did you switch salons again? I booth rented at the same salon that I was a commission stylist. Okay. So that's interesting. So they had, it was optional. You could either be a commission or be a booth renter. Yes. Okay. Interesting. That's cool. Um, and why did you decide to go, go from being a booth renter to being, uh, uh, opening up your own spot? Um, Back in the middle of COVID, when COVID first started, you know, I had never um, taken that much time off of work. I was, you know, essentially off work for seven weeks. Um, so, and I always joked, you know, joked around that that was the longest uh, I had been off work. Like that was the worst um, maternity leave ever. That's yeah. right. because, you know, even when I had my daughter, I only took four weeks off work. Um, so 
I, I had, I had a lot of time on my hands to think about, you know, my future during that seven weeks. And during that same year, I ended up taking another five weeks off work for surgery. So in the year 2020, I ended up being off work for a total of 12 weeks. Um, and I didn't have that. If it wasn't for us, for my husband, we wouldn't be able, like we wouldn't have survived. You know, we have, we have two children. Um, so I, I did, I had a lot of time to, I had a lot of time to think about some things and my future and what did that mean for me and where was I going? Um, it's always been my dream since hair school, um, to open my own salon. Um, but to me, I thought that was like a multiple chair salon. I didn't realize that that could mean just me. Okay. And I had reached out to somebody that I really looked up to in the salon community and asked if she had a booth available. And she said, no, but I know of something coming available. And she sent me some plans to this building. And at first I thought she was absolutely crazy. And I talked it over with my husband and he said, well, what's the worst that can happen? And he was right. Like what, what's the worst that could happen? Like I have built a clientele now. I'm not fully booked, but I've built enough clientele that I could make it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about like how you, like, how did you decide that you could make it? Was there like some financial considerations as well? Did you like run all the numbers and based on your current existing clientele and like, Um, what about that? So back in December, I hired a business coach, a hairstylist business coach. Okay. Um, her name's Elizabeth Fay, and I don't know if you know who that is or not. Um, and I joined workshop in a box and in that process, um, one of the very first things that she goes over is, um, the perfect pricing method. And that's basically learning your numbers and working it backwards. And it's a year long program. And I'm still in it. And it has really given me that confidence that I needed to know what my exact numbers are, why I charge what I charge. Um, and to just really get in tune with like what I want in my life. So it's like made me a better, it's made me a better mom, a better friend and a better hairstylist. Okay. Awesome. And, um, We'll put the uh, the name of that stuff down so viewers and listeners can find that information for themselves. What was it called again? Workshop in a Box. Workshop in a Box. And who is the coach? Elizabeth Fay. All right, cool. Elizabeth Fay, Workshop in a Box. Cool. So you go through, you get a coach and you uh, go through this workshop and she helps you really get nailed down your numbers and that gives you the confidence. So also like speaking of confidence, um, you mentioned that, you know, having all that time off and um, you gave you time to think did uh, because of COVID did uh, being off with COVID, did you find yourself doing like house calls and stuff like that? Um. During COVID, no, but I had been doing house calls before COVID. Okay. Um, COVID just, I had heard of so many people getting in trouble with their licenses and everything. Like I wouldn't even do my husband's hair during COVID. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like nobody got their hair and my hair done in my house during COVID. Okay. Um, but still, even now that, you know, COVID's calmed down a little bit, I still do house calls. That is a big thing for me. Okay. Uh, 
I have a, an elderly lady that I have done her hair for four, four or five years now, same time every, every week. Okay. Uh, and a big thing for me switching to my studio, um, my studio is on the second floor. Um, she is, she's a $20 client. So like, I, I don't really make much off of her. Um, when I switched to my studio, she was my biggest, like, I have to be able to do her hair no matter what, like she's stuck with me, no matter what has gone on in my life. Um, so when I found out my studio was going to be on the second floor, she can't climb stairs and I don't have an elevator. So now I'm, I go to her house. Okay. Nice. Um, you brought up something something earlier that I wanted to ask about. So, so this sounds like, so a lot of hairdressers went out um, and were doing house calls during COVID and that's what incentivizes them to want to uh, open up a suite. Like a lot of, I heard, I've talked to a lot of stylists that have left the salon to open up a suite and it had a lot to do with the fact that they could realize all the revenue that was coming in and they got to keep all of it except for the cost of like color and stuff. Um, so that's not, that had nothing to do with it. It wasn't even that you saw the money potentially you could make by bringing it all in. First of all, you were a booth rental. So you already got to see that. Um, it was more about just, uh, going after something that you wanted and that was to have your own spot. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it was to provide something that Columbia doesn't have. Gotcha. Columbia doesn't have a spot that I knew I had a vision and I had talked to my coach about that. I had this vision to create a space for people where they don't have to feel like they have to get, you know, they they can come as they are. They can, they don't have to do their hair and their makeup to come get their hair done. And there's no place like that in Columbia. Okay, cool. So you had, not only did you have a, did you have the desire, but you also had a vision as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I like that. Um, it was it was more about just t- having the time to sit and plan to realize your dream versus uh, versus some of the other reasons we heard. So that's cool to hear. Uh, so so what would you say your book is like? How many customer? How what, how big is your clientele? Do you have that number um, just to give people an idea of what? My clientele is about fifty to seventy five people. Okay. All right. So 50 to 75 people. And with the numbers that you have based on that number and your calculations, you were, you felt confident that you could what break even or make a profit on your going out on your own. I am making a profit. Okay. So there you go, everybody. You see that you got a number for, for, um, from Anastasia about like how big her clientele is. I'm sure the prices and the frequency of visits and everything has to, is going to be impacted, but just to give everybody some actual data, uh, 50 to 75 clients. Um, and Anastasia was able to go out on her own. So while that's going to be different for people because rents are going to be different as well as the prices, uh, that you charge, um, that's a good number to have. Um, how about, Anything else that you could think of? Um, how about like your mental health status? Was there any time where you were you were worried about going out on your own, or was it always just excitement and ambition? Or, or oh, I was I was totally freaked out at first when I when I thought about it. Yeah. Okay. 
And so it was really the coach uh, that helped you with the confidence or were you still having some, some fear or anxiety about it? Um, the coach helped me. My husband helped me and you know, the few people that I told, cause it was a huge secret at first. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when I had to start, I had to pay for everything in my room. I had to buy everything. Okay. What type of uh, startup costs were you looking at? Um, you know, I, ha- I had to purchase my shampoo bowl, my station. I had to, I had to design the whole thing inside. So everything that goes into a salon, I had to buy. Okay. Retail. All of it. Okay. So everybody should, um, you know, get a coach is a great idea. Um, if you're not getting a coach, you want to make sure you add up all the costs of all the stuff that you need to buy and make sure you have enough clients to, uh, maybe turn a little bit of a profit, uh, so that you're not sitting around losing money, basically. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, is there anything, uh, any piece of advice that you're, you'd like to offer to anybody that's thinking about going their own, that doesn't have a big book and uh, anything that they should know uh, that you either, maybe you want to reiterate from this interview, or maybe you want to add that we didn't talk about? Um, if there's one thing that I have learned throughout my years behind the chair is it's the relationships that I have built with my clients that mean more than absolute, than more than me doing their hair. It's that relationship. All right. Yeah. No, it's, it's that relationship with my, my elderly lady. It's not, it's not the $20 service. It's the relationship. Yeah. I love that because, uh, I think, um, I think sometimes when, when people are going through a process like that, everything gets kind of whittled down to dollars and cents and, um, just the, the sheer fact that you maintain a relationship with somebody who you've had, um, I think reverberates through your other clients. Like some clients might, you might not even realize that the relationship you have is as rich as it is because you're able to charge them, you know, a certain amount of money, but you really feel it when you got those clients that you don't really charge that much money, but like, you know, their situation and they're not even able to pay you. So like it creates a contradiction between the charger worth movement that's going on all over Instagram and like, understanding the value of those relationships. So um, I think there is a balance, you know, you gotta, you gotta definitely think, consider that stuff. So I, th- I think just the sheer fact that you appreciate that relationship and you went through a process of kind of drilling out your numbers. I think that says a lot about you as a stylist. And um, I think as long as we all can like learn from that, that the relationships are important. And um, sometimes it's hard to put value like a dollar value behind those. Uh, what are your goals for the future? Um, yeah. I'm not even really sure. I'm just kind of taking it day by day. I, yeah. I, I eventually want to have, it, it's funny. Somebody asked me the other day if I, what would happen if I were to get a full book? Because I do have some people that, you know, are very last minute. Yeah. My goal, right now I work Wednesday through Saturday. Tuesdays are my designated, um, house call day. Um, I don't ever want to get to the point where I can't serve the people that are very last minute. Okay. So I still want to be able, I don't want to leave anybody out. Okay. All right, cool. So it sounds like you want to build, basically build up your book, but not, but not get too busy. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah. What about raising your prices um, as you get busier? Have you thought about that yet? Yeah. Um, I will raise my prices um, probably towards the end of the year. Yeah. Okay. And is that something your coach talks about is like how, well, how often, how often do they say to raise your prices? Um, we haven't got to that point yet okay. in my coaching program. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for sharing. I think it's good to hear that people are out there taking a chance on themselves and, um, you know, getting it, getting help and advice from uh, people. And I like the fact that you have a coach because that's like a sounding board and uh, someone to call when you're stressing out about stuff. And um, all right. Well, I like to end with a laugh, every conversation with a laugh. And uh, did you have a, an embarrassing moment uh, that you would like to share with us from behind the chair or with a client? Um, Yeah. So I am really protective over people that sit in my chair. And for some reason I've been told that I look really intimidating because I'm tattooed from like both arms are tattooed. And I have RBF really bad. Okay. Um, so I had a client sit in my chair and she's still my client to this day because of this situation. Um, and she came from my corporate salon. She was sitting in my chair. We were, first time I ever seen her. And this mid, mid through her appointment, this guy came and sat down and um, was just like staring at her. And I like, was like, okay, hold on. And I walked up to him and I was like, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Like, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And then he was, she was like, oh no, that's my boyfriend. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even realize it was her boyfriend. I just thought it was like some creepy guy in her stocking. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, I mean, on another note, like at least people know they're safe with me. Yeah, totally. I love that. That's funny. Oh, shit. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, this was great. And I think a lot of people would like to hear that there are other people out there uh, doing what you're doing. And uh, you don't have to wait until you're fully, completely booked. If you kind of nail down the information, the details and the numbers and take a little leap of faith. huh? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much. And um, uh, I guess I'll talk to you again, you know, some other time. Uh, Good luck with building and I'd love to check in with you down the road. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care. All right. Well, that was I think that was it. I think we got through everything. And um, I think I'll just let put that in as one uh, one episode. I thought it was pretty good. It flowed pretty easily. I didn't really see a time to make take a break. So Okay. How'd you, how'd you feel about it? I liked it. Good. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, I hope you enjoy the uh, blow dryer and flat iron. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. And uh, thanks again for taking the survey. That was uh, very helpful information for us as we move forward and start thinking about stuff like topics and services and stuff. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. You're right. Bye-bye. Bye.